0: As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatu Inna alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiru wa nukminu bihi wa natwakalu alayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shurur anfusina wa min sayhi ati a'malina Min yahdihillahu falamudillelahu wa min fala falahadiya وَأَشْهَدُ shadu لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ سَيَّدَنَا مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمَّا بَعْدُ All praise and thanks is due to Allah Azza wa Jal. Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Salawatullahi wa salamuhu Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends, and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time. Tonight, be idhnillahi ta'ala, we will be looking at our first chapter. باب النية في جميع الأعمال والأقوال والأحوال البارزة And the author he mentions and he says that <coughs> This is the chapter on sincerity and significance of intentions For all actions and statements, the apparent and the hidden And the author he begins with the verse of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, called Allah, Ta'ala, Wama Umiru illa liabudulaha, Muhli seen alahuddin, Hunafa, awa yukimu salata, wa yuku zakata wa da lika dinul kayima. And the meaning is that Wama Umiru illa liabudulaha, Muhli seen alahuddin. And they were commanded not but that they worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with sincerity and that they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and that they establish the salah and that they give out the zakah وَذَٰلِكَ دِينُ القيمة. and that is the correct religion so yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is explaining to us that one needs to have ikhlas, one needs to have sincerity for all our actions to be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for all our ibadah to be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one needs to be sincere and as the lesson goes on tonight idnillahi ta'ala, we will understand this concept of sincerity and our intention much better idnillahi ta'ala. And the author, he brings a verse in Surah Al-Hajj where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, لَيَّنَالَ اللَّهَ لُحُومَهَا لُحُومُهَا وَلَا دِمَاءُهَا وَلَا يَنَالُهُ التَّقْوَى مِنْكُمْ And this verse, it has to do with your udhiyah, your sacrifice. That it is neither the meat, nor the blood of the animal. So neither it is the meat of the animal nor the blood of the animal that reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. however, yanaluhu taqwa minkum. But it is the piety. It is your taqwa that reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your intention, your niyyah, it needs to be correct. And this is what reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the author, he brings the third verse. And he says, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah Al-Imran, verse number 29, Kul in ma fi sudurikum, aw tubaduhu That say, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to them, that whether you hide what is in your breasts or whether you reveal it, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about this. Yani, you can have your hidden intention. You can hide it from the world. But know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is well aware whether you hide this, or you do not hide it. But know that Allah knows exactly what your intentions are. So, this chapter, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, it deals with the niyyah, with the intention. And the first point that the author, he brings in his explanation of Riyadh Salihin, he says that the intention, the niyyah, its place is the heart or in the heart. This is the place of one's intention. So I need to have an intention in my heart. And he explains afterwards and he says that there is no place on the tongue with regards to the Niyah. Meaning, I do not have to say or utter my intention verbally. For example, the author he says when it comes to praying, I do not have to say Nawetu usalli Farda Salah right? or when I fast Nawaitu Saumahadin an Adai or when I go on Hajj that I intend to perform Hajj or any acts of worship. This was not found in the time of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa sallam. This was not found in the time of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa sallam. So the author he starts the explanation of this chapter with explaining what is the heart or what is the intention. The place of the intention is in the heart. He then secondly says that there is no place in Islam for uttering the niyah verbally and then he gives some examples where he says that you do not say that i intend to pray i intend to fast etc and he says that if a person does this then such a person should know that this is an innovation and the prophet sallallahu he warned us quite severely about involving oneself with bid'ah with innovations and then the author he says that you won't find the Prophet ﷺ saying, "Oh Allah, I intend to make the ablution. Oh Allah, I intend to fast. Oh Allah, I intend to go to Hajj." But rather, he says that all of these actions, the place of this is in one's heart. And my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, let us look at the example of the fast of Shawwal. So Ramadan comes, and when the month of Ramadan comes, we find that we wake up, for example, Fajr is at 5 a.m. So many people, they will wake up at 4 a.m. to do what? To eat, to have suhoor. They never ever wake up at 4 a.m. throughout the year except in this month of Ramadan. So this is already going against the norm. Which means there's a reason and the reason for them waking up is that they want to intend to fast. They do not have to utter that, oh Allah, I intend to fast. It is already in their heart that I'm waking up. I'm going to fast this is why I'm eating at this time because Fajr is at 5 o'clock and I will be eating and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the next point is that Allah azza wa jal, he knows what is in the heart of a human being. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of everything. Nothing can be hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is look at the verse that the author quoted. And Sheikh Uthaymin, he brings the same verse, and the verse reads as follows. Kul إِنْ ma fi sudurikum, aw Allah, wa مَا ma fi samawati wa ma fi al-ard, شَيْءٍ That say, O Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِن تُخْفُوا مَا فِي سُدُورِكُمْ أَوْ تُبَدُوهُ يَعْلَمْهُ That whether you, O oh mankind, O oh children of Adam, whether you hide what is in your breast, <coughs> or whether you reveal it, يَعْلَمْهُ اللَّهِ Know that Allah Azza wa Jal, He knows this. وَيَعْلَمُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ and know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He knows what is in the heavens and the earth. Wallahu ala kulli shay'in qadir. And know that Allah is able to do all things. Have you ever wondered, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, let us wonder, let us ponder. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says that He knows what is in your breasts and He knows whether you hide it or whether you reveal it. We are mere mortals. We are mere human beings. And then Allah says that He knows what is in the heavens and the earth. Subhanallah. Every creature, every being, everything that's on the face of the earth is known to Allah Azza wa Jal. Wallahu ala kulli shay'in qadir, And know that Allah is able to do all things. Verse 29, Surah Ali, Imran. So similarly, it is essential that He gives the intention, that is the sincerity, of purpose of all acts of worship. That first of all, for our acts of worship, we need to be sincere and we need to have an intention. So when someone seeks to perform wudu, for example, he means that to perform it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, and in conformity with the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So hence, we can look at three things, and I've highlighted three points. Number one, that you must have an intention for the act of worship. You cannot just make or perform the act of worship without having the niyah. Number two, the purpose is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake. It is not to show off. So I go to the masjid and I start making salah. And all of a sudden I see on the corner of my eye or I hear someone enter the Salah, the Masjid, and all of a sudden what do I do? I start lengthening my Kiraat. I start lengthening my Ruku. I start lengthening my Sujud. Why? Because I know that there's people in the Masjid. So now there becomes a question with regards to my Ibadah am I doing this for the sake of Allah Azawajal, or am I doing the sake to show people? And this is known as Riyah. Showing off, doing something so other people can say Mashallah. What a beautiful person. What a pious person. He making salah. See how long his salah is. Look how long his ruku is. Look how long his sujood is. No That our intention And our purpose of our ibadah And everything that we do It is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake And there are many ahadith That in the future weeks inshallah we will be looking at Where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, He warned us against Riyah He warned us against showing off But we obviously need to mention this In this bab, in this chapter Because it deals with intentions It deals with our And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best And the third point Is the intent to perform it out of obedience To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's command I'm making salah Because Allah commanded me to make salah I'm staying away from wrong Because Allah He prohibited me From doing certain things that are incorrect And with regards to ibadah, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, there's two in very two very important points. Number one, like we mentioned, that our ibadah it is only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for no one else. Sincerely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number two, that all our actions... All our ibadah, it has to be in conformity with the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And this is why Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he informed us and he mentioned to us and he says for the regards to our salah. Sallu kama usalli. He says that make salah as if you have seen me, make salah. He says that, take from me your hajj. And like this, the Prophet ﷺ, he taught us how to make du'a. He taught us what du'as to make. He taught us how to fast in the month of Ramadan. He taught us how to make salah. He taught us how to give our zakah. Yes, maybe zakah would vary in today's time that you can EFT, etc. Or... You send in money overseas, whatever it might be. But the fundamentals of these masail, the fundamentals of all of these ibadah are found in the Quran and in the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi And we follow it to the T. We follow it to that which Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa taught us. And this brings me or brings us to the first hadith of Riyadh al وعن أمير المؤمنين أبي حفص عمر بن خطاب رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إنما الأعمال بالنيات وإنما لكل امرئ ما نوى فمن كانت هجرته إلى الله ورسوله فهجرته إلى الله ورسوله ومن كانت هجرته للدنيا يصيبها أو إمرأة فهجرته الى ما هاجر اليه متفق عليه ومتفق على صحته رواه امام المحدثين ابو عبد الله محمد بن اسماعيل ابن ابراهيم ابن مغيره ابن بردزبه الجعفي البخاري وابو Al-Husayn Muslim Ibn Hajjaj Ibn Muslim Al-Qushayriyu An-Naysaburi Allahu anhuma fi sahihima Alladhi huma asahha al-kitab musanna So this hadith, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam First of all, it is narrated by the second khalifa of Islam Amirul Mu'mineen Umar ibn Khattab radiyallahu an and Umar ibn Khattab he needs no introduction Alhamdulillah a few weeks ago we discussed and when we studied and we did the course on the Ashram of Bashara when we did the course on those 10 companions that were guaranteed Jannah the second companion that we looked at was Umar ibn Khattab and Umar ibn Khattab like I mentioned he needs no introduction he was the second Khalifa of Islam. He was very close to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And Umar ibn Khattab, he lost his life. He was murdered by Abu Lu'lu al-Majusi in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa masjid whilst leading the in Salatul Fajr. So Umar ibn Khattab, he mentions and he says that I heard Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saying that deeds are considered by their intentions and a person will get the reward according to his intention. So whoever made hijrah, whoever immigrated for Allah and his messenger, his immigration will be for Allah and his messenger. And whoever immigrated, Whoever made hijrah for worldly benefits or for a woman to marry, then his hijrah, his immigration, would be for that which he immigrated. And this hadith is narrated by Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim. And Imam al-Bukhari comes from, or he hails from a place, al-Bukhara, and Imam Muslim, he comes from, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Reward them abundantly They compiled Which is known as the Sahihain The two authentic books Of hadith And inshallah in the future We'd like to look at A cause To discuss The life of Imam Bukhari The life of Imam Muslim As well as how they compile the Sahih. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us this opportunity. And this hadith, since the chapter deals with sincerity and making deeds purely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake, in everything that we do, whether it is something that we utter, whether it is some form of action, whether it is some form of circumstances that we find ourselves in, the author, what did he do? He mentioned certain verses that we discussed a few moments ago. And after these verses, the author, taala, he cites a hadith with regards to intention. And the first hadith being the hadith of Umar ibn Khattab. This is also the first hadith that Imam al-Bukhari brings in his sahih. And the hadith Starts off by saying that in, that deeds are considered by the intentions And a person will be rewarded according to that which he intended The scholars of Islam, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower them with mercy They interpreted the, inter- the first few sentences of this hadith In two possible ways Some of them explain that they are two sentences with the same meaning, and that the second one only emphasizes the first. However, our author, or the Sharih, the explanation of this book, Riyadu Salihin, Sheikh Muhammad Salih Al-Uthaymin, he mentions that this opinion is not that of, to be a very strong opinion. And the reason why he says that, because a sentence in the Arabic language basically expresses a meaning and it is not an emphasis because it becomes obvious after a careful study of the two expressions that their differences are remarkable whilst the first one expresses the cause the second one mentions the outcome whoever has intention whoever does something he will be rewarded for this so there is a cause and there is an outcome the first one states the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he mentions that every action certainly has to have an intention as such that every action my beloved brothers and sisters performed by the mentality balanced and unrestricted right meaning that any action that someone does that is mentally stable, he's is mukallaf, he does not have any mental illnesses, and he is mukallaf in the religion, then any action that he performs, there has to be an intention. And it is impossible for such an individual to perform an action without having any intentions for it. Some scholars they even say that if Allah had charged us with performing an action without intention that would have implied giving us unreasonable responsibilities. That know my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam that everything is based on our intention and rightfully how can you, while being fully conscious, free and not under duress, perform an action without a niya, without an intention? This does not make sense, since actions only stems from will and ability, and the will is the intention. So the first expression in the hadith means that no one performs a deed without a niya. However, see something important, that intentions differ greatly and absolutely as the gap between the heavens and the earth. For example, you would have two people doing the same action, started at the same time, ending at the same time. But the intentions might be completely different. Just look at, for example, Salah. Two people, they walk into the masjid. They both perform Tahiyatul to masjid. One does this sincerely for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. This is what he gets rewarded for. The other person, he does this to show off. He does this so that people can say what a pious person, as we mentioned a bit earlier. Two people, the same action, but different intentions. So different rewards as well. So hence the basic principle is that there is no action without an intention, but intentions can differ and they can vary. Regarding the outcome of that he said that a person will get the reward. The Prophet ﷺ says that a person gets the reward according to his intention. And everyone gets what they intended. So if he intends Allah and he intends the abode of the year after, then this is what he will get. But if he intends something else, worldly benefit, praise, this is what he will get. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Man kana yuridul aajilata, lahu fiha manasha. That whomsoever desires quick passing, yani enjoyment of this world, we readily grant him what we will from that which we like. So you want enjoyment from this world? This is what Allah is going to give you. And here we see Allah did not say we readily grant him what he desires, but rather the Almighty and the Sublime He said, We readily grant him what we will, not what he desires. Similarly, for what or for whom we want, not for everybody. Therefore, he limits what will be granted and to whom it will be granted. This is from Allah Azza wa jal. Allah gives to whomsoever He wills, and Allah takes away from whomsoever He wills. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this, that is to say that amongst the people are those who will be granted the worldly desires, while others will be granted only a share of it. And some will still not be given anything at all. And Allah knows best. The next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةِ And whomsoever desires the year after. وَسَعَالَهَا سَعْيَهَا وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنِ And he strives for it with the necessary effort due to it. Whilst he is a believer, فَأُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ سَعْيُهُمْ مَشْكُورًا then such are the ones who striving shall be appreciated. Their striving will be appreciated, they will be thanked, meaning, and rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These two verses, surah Isra, verse number 18 and number 19. So he will certainly achieve the reward of what he does for the sake of Allah. And the abode of the year after hence, a person, the Prophet sallallahu he says that a person will get the reward according to his intentions. And then the Prophet sallallahu he said that deeds are considered by one's intention. This expression and the preceding ones are scales for every deed. They are scales for the hidden deeds. So this hadith, it deals with with our actions, which are hidden, right? No one knows what your intention. Yes, people see you make salah, people see you go on hajj, but no one knows our niya. And this why this. There are two hadith that are extremely important in the life of a Muslim, as Sheikh Usaymin, he mentions. This is the first hadith until the end of the hadith that our intentions need to be correct because no one knows what is in our hearts except Allah Azza wa Jal and ourselves and the second hadith that the author says which is extremely important is a hadith narrated by Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim on the authority of أَمُّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Aisha رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا where she mentioned that the Prophet said Whomsoever does an act which we have not given approval for it will be rejected. The hadith of innovation. The hadith of bid'ah. man ahdatha That whomsoever introduces something into this religion of ours which was not part of this religion it will be rejected. And this is in the scale of apparent deeds. So, for example, my du'as, for example, my salat, example my hajj, it needs to be in conformity of that which Muhammad sallallahu taught me, that which the companions sallallahu that which the companions may Allah be pleased with them did. This is the reason why people of knowledge they mentioned the ulama they said that these two ahadith they encompass the entire religion. The hadith of Umar and the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha. May Allah be pleased with all of them. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he carries on and he says that whosoever migrated or whoever immigrated for Allah and his messenger then his immigration will be for Allah and his messenger. And whoever immigrated seeking the worldly benefits then he attains it. Or for a woman, he marries her, then his migration is for that which he migrated for. And this brings us to the next concept, and that is the concept of Al-Hijrah. And Hijrah is that a person migrates from the land of disbelief to the land of Islam. So for example, someone, he lives in Daru Kufar, he lives in a land of the Kufar, and he wants to move to the land of the Muslimin, then this is known as Hijrah. Because maybe in the land of the Kuffar, they are oppressing him. Maybe in the land of the Kuffar, he cannot practice his religion openly. Or he's been persecuted, then he is allowed to move to the land of the Muslims, and this is known as Hijrah. But then the Prophet ﷺ, he highlights in this hadith that people may differ with regards to their migration. Amongst them are those who migrate and they leave their land for the sake of Allah Azawajal. In other words, he migrated to the land which has the Sharia, land of the Muslims. So this is what he will be rewarded for because he left for the sake of Allah and the sake of his messenger. And this is something good. So he will be rewarded for that. The second amongst those who migrate is he who migrates for some worldly benefit to achieve something. And this is a man who perhaps he loves to amass wealth. And he might hear that a certain country it has lush fertile lands and you can make a lot of money. So he leaves because he wants to make money. And he's not really worried about his religion. He's not really worried about his ibadah etc. So he will be considered Or be rewarded for that which he intended. Which means that he wanted to go for wealth. So this is what he will get. By the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third one. Is he who migrates from a land of disbelief. To a land of Islam. Because of a woman that he desires to marry. So it is maybe said to him. That you can only marry my daughter. The father says you can only marry my daughter. If you leave. This current country that you're in, the land of the kuffar, and you come to the Muslim land. So he leaves the land not because he wants to go to the Muslim land, but rather because he wants to marry a particular woman, a particular lady, or vice versa, and this will be their rewards, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So whoever migrates because of a worldly gain or a woman, has not migrated for the sake of Allah and he has not migrated for the sake of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa then his immigration will be for that which he migrated for. So this hadith alhamdulillah is quite straightforward and this hadith also it is very important like we mentioned a bit earlier. And a Muslim should always try to rectify our intentions before we do something. And when we finish an action, always look at it. Was this for the sake of Allah? And if we feel that there was something that crept in and maybe we try to show off, then we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to rectify our intentions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. This brings us to the second hadith of the Bab. And this hadith is narrated by... عائشة رضي الله عنها وعن ام المؤمنين ام عبد الله عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يغزو جيش الكعبه فاذا كانوا ببيداء من الارض يخسف باولهم واخرهم قالت كنت يا رسول الله كيف يخسف باولهم واخرهم وفيهم أَسْوَاقُهُمْ وَمَنْ لَيْسَ مِنْهُمْ قَالَ يُخْسَفُ بِأَوَّلِهِمْ وَآخِرِهِمْ ثُمَّ يُبَعَثُونَ عَلَىٰ نِيَّاتِهِمْ مُتَفَقٌّ عَلَيْهِ وَهَذَا لَفْظُ الْبُخَارِ Aisha radiallahu anha, the mother of the believers, was the youngest wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and we see that she is known as and Aisha radiallahu anha she is known as Um Abdullah. So many of us we know that Aisha Radiallahu Anha, she did not have children. But here she's known as Um Abdullah. So the ulama they explained that Abdullah was her nephew and this is why she is known as Um Abdullah. This also proves and that one can have a kunya even if you do not have children. For example, the author of Riyadh al Salihin, the book that we are studying. Abu Zakaria, Zakariya. Imam al-Nawawi was known as Abu Zakaria, but he never had any children. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Also based on the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa with regards to one of the um, young companions, when his bird passed away, he said to him, he gave him a kunya. Ya Aba Umair, ma fa'alan nughayr. So he never had children, he was not married at that time, but the Prophet gave him a kunyan. Allah knows best. So the messenger of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, he says that an army will raid the Kaaba. An army is going to come and is going to try to attack the Kaaba. And when it reaches a desert land, all of them will be swallowed up by the earth. So Aisha radiyallahu anha, she asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, why all of them, O Messenger of Allah? Why not just those that wanted to arm the Kaaba, or destroy the Kaaba. So he answered, all of them will be swallowed by the earth, but they will be raised for their judgment according to their intentions. So on the day of Qiyamah, they will be raised and everyone will be then judged according to their intentions. This hadith is mutafakun and the wording of this hadith mentioned here is that that you will find in Imam Al-Bukhari's Sahih. The author mentions the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha. May Allah be pleased with her. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he explained that an army will come and an army will raid the Kaaba. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and save us from all types of evil. And the first point that the author brings, right, of the Shar, Shaykh rahimallahu ta'ala. That we'd like to look at, he says that the Kaaba is the house of Allah, Azza wa Angel, that was built by Prophet Ibrahim, by Nabi Ibrahim and his son Ismail. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, he says, wa idyarfa'u Ibrahimul Qawaid min al-Bait wa Ismail, Rabbana tawab alminna innaka anta samiul Alim. That, O oh our Lord they ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept the service from them but before that qawa'id min al wa isma'il allah says that remember when nabi ibrahim and nabi isma'il when they built the kaaba and they said, رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا allah Accept from us إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَلِيمُ That you, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you are the all-year, you are the all knower Here again, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, honorable students, Ya الْعِلْمُ That when we make dua, when we do any action, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afterwards to accept this, Rabbana taqabbal minna, oh Allah, accept from us, innaka antas samiul that indeed you Allah, you are the all-year you are the one that is all-knowing and the author again, Shaykh uthaymeen wa ta'ala, he brings the story of Abar he brings the story of how Abraham tried or wanted to attack the Kaaba and they came from Yemen. So they came with a large army led by a huge elephant with the purpose of destroying the Kaaba. And when they came close to the Kaaba and got to a place known as al muhammas the elephant stubbornly halted and refused to proceed. They began to force it to proceed to the Kaaba, but it refused. But when they pointed or when the elephant was directed towards Yemen, so maybe the elephant was turned around and pointed towards the direction of Yemen, you would get up and you would start to move much quicker. And this also brings us to a story during the Expedition of Hudaybiyah, When the Prophet Sallallahu camel Al-Qaswa He All of a sudden started to Refuse to proceed And the companions of Rasulullah Sallallahu I would start questioning I would say that Qaswa has become disobedient Qaswa has become lazy And It's become stubborn now Because he does not want to move the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa taala said that Qaswa is not stubborn, and right know that the animals they are not stubborn, but the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Here we can see an important lesson that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was defending an animal. He was defending his camel. And this shows us that even with regards to our animals, they should never be <coughs> injustice. They should never be us harming the animals of Allah Taala. The Prophet he says, that it is not in the camel's character to be stubborn, but rather, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says by the It is the one who held the elephant back, That is holding Al-Qaswa back, That is holding the camel back. And this is referring that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Who is free from all imperfections, The most exalted. That it is he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, That held the elephant back. And it is he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that held the camel al-Qaswa back. And this is an important lesson. Again, for all of us, that we should understand and that we should know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that is in charge of all of us. That it is he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is in control of all of us. And it is He, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that gives us the ability to move. It is He, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that gives us the ability to do whatever we are doing. And we should always be thankful to Allah Azza wa Jal. The crucial point here is that the Kaaba had been attacked by a large army from Yemen. Led by this huge elephant with the aim of destroying the Kaaba. When it reached a certain point, the elephant refused to proceed and it became stubborn. And here we find that they were held back and they were delayed. And we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He speaks about the story in Suratul Fil. And if one wants to know more about this, open Suratul Fil. And you will see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains the story quite in detail. And we find that the Prophet he says in this hadith that towards the last hour, towards yani the end of time, that a huge army will come and they will want to attack the Kaaba. So the Prophet ﷺ saying is that when it reaches the desert land, a wide, expansive land, Allah will cause the earth to swallow the first to the last of them. The earth will swallow them together with their markets and every person in the company. So this contains evidence that they will be a mighty army. Contains that they will be quite a huge army. To the fact that they will have their own marketplaces. Alongs with them for the purposes of buying and selling and other things. Allah will cause that the earth swallows all of them. No distinction will be made. He's good, she's good, they are bad. No, every one of them will be swallowed. The first of them and the last of them. When the Prophet ﷺ, when he uttered these words, when he mentioned this hadith, and know that whatever Muhammad ﷺ spoke was divine from Allah subhanahu wa taala. illa yuha. A question crossed Aisha's mind. May Allah be pleased with her. And Aisha radiyallahu anha, you will find quite a few ahadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha. If she never understood something, she would ask Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Messenger of Allah, why is it like this? Why is it not like that? O Messenger of Allah, but why can't it be in such a way? Why is it being done in this way? And this, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, students of knowledge, is something important. That if we don't understand something, let us ask in an appropriate way. Let us ask so that we understand. Because if we do not ask questions, or something that we don't understand, it might lead to a bigger problem in the future. So what we should do is that we don't understand an ayah, we don't understand a hadith, Ask those who know. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكَرُ Ask those who know if you do not know. And again, right, we should also take note that with regards to our religion, ask the ulama of this deen. ulama rabbaniyun Those ulama that fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not every person that wears a thobe or grows a beard Not every person that wears a coat or a bish or whatever is a scholar, is a student of knowledge. So know who you ask and ask those who fear Allah Azza wa Jal those who upon the way of the Salafu Salih those that are known to be of those that follows Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam, that follows his companions and the salaf of this ummah. So Aisha anha, she asks Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam, O Messenger of Allah, Ya Rasulullah, how will the earth swallow the first of them and the last of them when they have their marketplaces with them and those who are innocent? So now she wants to know, O Messenger of Allah, you say that the first of them and the last of them, all of them, they are going to be swallowed up. But what about those that are innocent? The Prophet ﷺ, he answers and he says, the first of them to the last of them will be swallowed. All of them are going to be swallowed by the earth together with their markets and the innocent ones amongst them. But they will be raised on the day of resurrection according to their intentions. Again, every person would have his own intention. So this hadith also teaches us an important lesson that Sheikh Hussaymin rahimallah ta'ala, mentions. He says, Whomsoever accompanies the people of falsehood, The people of transgression and enmity will surely suffer the same punishment as theirs. The righteous and those that are not righteous. When the torment comes, it afflicts afflicts the righteous and those that are not righteous. The pious and the sinful. The believer and the one that does not believe. The one who establishes the prayer and the one who is arrogant. It will not spare anyone. They will be raised on the day of resurrection and then everyone will be judged according to the intentions. So, this is why it is important, also, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, that we should know who we mix with. As the Prophet says, that a person is judged on the company that he keeps. So, look who you befriend. If you're going to be with the people of falsehood, you're going to be with the people that transgress, that breaks the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're going to be just like them. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment comes, also, He does not distinguish. When the punishment comes, the punishment is not going to look, oh no, He was good, He was not good. It takes everyone. And on the day of Qiyamah, when we stand in front of Allah Azzawajal, this is then going to be the time where our intentions will count. So the point of this hadith, that why the author Imam An-Nawawi Ta'ala brings this hadith, is to show us, is to teach us, that our intentions are important. And we can see the link between the first hadith, that of Umar ibn Khattab, and this hadith of Aisha Radhiallahu Anha. And this brings us to the end of our lesson. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to rectify our intentions. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those that our nia is always for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever I do. I wake up in the morning. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I intention when we have breakfast. When we have a meal, is that we can be stronger, so that we can worship Allah Subhanahu wa Taala better. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to guide and protect all of us. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to ease the affairs of the Ummah, to ease the affairs of our beloved brothers and sisters wherever they might find themselves, that uh, the, and they might be going through some difficulties. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu wa la ilaha illa asta'firka wa atubu ilaik. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Or he hails from a place, Al-Bukhara, and Imam Muslim, he comes from Naysabur. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward them abundantly. He marries her, then his migration is for that which he migrated for. And this brings us to the next concept, and that is the concept.